going on, everybody? This is John Kovach Jr. I'm the founder and creator of Champion Circle Networking Association. And right now you're listening to or watching our Champion Reads Book Club. Each week we bring on a few individuals, including our Champion Circle executive team and a few invited guests to discuss and chat and to go into depth about various topics in regards to some of the books that we're studying. Now, each month of the year, we will be discussing a different book. Right now, we are discussing the amazing principles of this book right here, Leadership and Self-Deception by the Arbinger Institute. And I'm excited to include my co-authors, co uh uh, uh, conspire. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, to to can include those who help us run and and create opportunities through the Champion Circle Network and our circles. And joining me today on this call will be none other than Mr. Ian Sturmer. Hi. Also hanging out with us will be the amazing Miss Lauren Cobb. So glad that you guys are both here to, to join me in the conversations. Now, before I do a little quick introduction to each of you, just again, the Champion Reads Book Club meets weekly to discuss powerful principles in major books and bestsellers. Um, I'm the host, John Coach Jr., followed with Ian Sturmer, one of our executive provide professional discussions about the applications and the principles that we are reading in current book studies. The book study schedule includes January's Leadership and Self-Deception. And then tune in next month um, in February, where we're going to be covering The Richest Man in Babylon. And we'll give you the rest of the schedule later. But uh, I wanted to introduce Ian Sturmer. Ian Sturmer is going to be our leader and uh, awesome um, professional leading our discussions in many of these conversations. And Leah Ian is one of the executive vice presidents of Champion Circle and uh, is here to share his light and knowledge. And before he says hello, also Lauren Cobb joining us today is also on our executive team as one of our executive vice presidents, helping us out with Champion Circle and growing our chapters uh, across the network and across the country. So uh, with that being said, uh, Ian, thank you for joining us. And uh, I'm excited that you're here. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you. Excited to be here. Awesome. And Lauren, thank you for joining us. Mike Check, are you in the house? What's up? Yes, I am. Thanks for having me. Excellent. We're so excited to have both of you here and to kick off our conversations with this amazing book. Now, um, I, I'd like to show just, you know, there are various covers to this book. We'll start off with that. And in this book, you might see this copy on your shelf, which is Leadership and Self-Deception. One thing I was telling both Ian and Lauren in the in the green room backstage is this this cover reminds me of a chalkboard and it looks like there's a blackboard and then a banner at the top and then you've got some really great additional places for information but uh, the the whole purpose of leadership and self-deception is a concept called getting out of the box and we'll talk a little bit about that today as Ian will drive some discussion questions and some topics but what's cool about this is this is not a topic you discuss openly and accuse other people of being, but it's more of self-awareness and self-control and focusing on that that we're involved in. Leaders are completely bound by these principles because it definitely separates true leaders from 
leaders who are are definitely struggling. And I think each one of us can learn so much from this book, its concepts and its lessons. And the more and more you dig deeper into it, the more you magnify your knowledge and understanding, but also the more you connect with your inner self and recognize where you're at when it comes to your relationship with the box, with your relationships at home, at work at school, at play, wherever you are at. And that's a pretty big deal. You might also see this cover. If you're confused, you're like, oh, I don't have that cover. This is the blue cover. And I think this one's interesting because I was also saying behind stage that this cover shows you sort of like being in the envelope or inside the box. And you're like ripping it out to get outside the box. Like that's what you want to feel like getting out. And so this is more of a, a, of a discovery opportunity than anything else. So um, with that being said, I'm going to sort of open up the conversation for discussion. I'll turn it back to this cover. I'm going to turn the time over for a second here to uh, Ian, who can drive our conversations. Yeah, thank you. Um, like you said, the really the core concept of this book is about the box. Um, and what does it mean? What is the box? What does it mean to be in the box or out of the box? And it's a little bit different from uh, the common term we use. Oh, we need to think outside the box. Um, this is a different box. And as you were talking, it kind of made me think about leadership. Um, I thought, you know, the worst leader in the world is Robinson Crusoe because he was the only person there. Um, leadership is about everyone except for yourself. If you're going to be a leader, you have to be looking at other people. And kind of that concept of the box is that um, we tend to be in our own little box, and that's our world. What we can see, hear, feel, and touch is what we know. Uh, my friend Sam Diamond has brought that up to me, that really all we know is what we see ourselves. So that's being inside the box, and we need to learn to look beyond that and see other people. You know, if we're going to be a leader, we have to lead someone else. If there's no one to lead, we can't be a leader. And if we're only looking at ourselves, we can't be a leader. Um, so it's kind of that question I want to pose there is if we can only see ourselves and what we experience, how can we pay attention to other people or know what they think, need, and feel? Yeah, I'll jump right on in Ian, and add to this and say, I, I think that most people, though we may pride ourselves as being observant or even just the types of people who um, I'm going to put a little mute on Lauren, just so you know, you're muted. Um, but I, I think what most people lack, even though we might pride ourselves as being sort of awake in this world is our lack of self-awareness because, and again, we're going to use a lot of self hyphen blank words in this conversation, but, but self-awareness is, is something that you don't recognize when you, when you look at yourself. I once had a conversation with a gentleman who was a master in NLP. Uh, for those of you at home don't know what that means. It means they're certified in what's called neuro-linguistic programming, meaning they can tap into areas of the brain and teach you from, a, from various perspectives on how to behave, where to direct your thoughts, your emotions that lead to better outcomes and actions. That's essentially what it comes down to with that type of um, coaching and mentoring, but also it's on the psychological side as well. But I remember my friend who's an NLP director or, or, or master, and I remember going through a process and they would say, okay, 
we're going to take you in this current position, which is either a, a position or a state of fear, a state of anxiety. Maybe it's a state of confusion, but those are the negatives. Maybe it's a state of happiness, a state of joy, or a state of achievement. Whichever one you're looking at, they look at them from three various perspectives. You pull yourself out of that position, excuse me, and you look at yourself. <clears throat> Just had a tickle in my throat. <laughs> That's timely. <laughs> um, let me take a sip here. I love it when that happens. You look at yourself from several positions. The first one is from behind, meaning you can see yourself <clears throat> from a, I, mean, I don't take care of the CN. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. <laughs> Pause the timeout. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I like what you're saying there. That's um, you need to look at different positions. So often we just see what we think we're doing. Um, what we think we're doing as a leader, the image we have of ourselves, and we don't stop to think of what someone else sees us as. Um, this might be a crude example, but uh, a couple of days ago, I was in a meeting and I was sitting next to a guy who thought he was very professional, um, but he needed a bath. Um, his self-image was great, but he didn't realize what other people were thinking about him or how what he was doing affected other people. Granted, that's kind of a, a crude analogy of it. Um, but so often we think what we're doing is leading someone because that's what would help us to be led um, instead of what's going to help the other person to be led. Um, and it kind of gets into, I hope I don't go off topic what John was uh, moving towards, but we were talking in the green room before about the golden rule. Um, do unto others as you would have others do unto you. Um, and some of you may have heard of the platinum rule, which is do unto others as they would have you do unto them. Um, so being able to see a different perspective instead of just what you want, step behind yourself and see how you view your own actions from outside of the box um, or how the other person, which I think is where John's going to be going. How does that person view your actions, your words? Um, so that, that perspective of looking beyond just yourself. Um, and I don't know if John heard what I said there, or if I derailed you completely, but I'll turn it back to your, your uh, story with that. <laughs> No worries. And thank you. And wow. Never drink a smoothie while you're on the air. Um, that should be, that should all make you laugh. Cause I know we've all been there in the most worst times, but what I was adding to, and thank you for your context. And I would love to dive deeper into those two thoughts you just had, but to wrap up my thought was as I'm talking to this NLP instructor, you look at a scenario from three different perspectives. Number one is you look at from behind the past and you look at it from an outsider's personal point of view. And you look at it as if you're standing behind yourself, looking at where you're at in the present and saying, how did I get here? You know, evaluating what it led up to the position to being where you're at. That's one perspective. Then you see yourself from the, from the uh, uh, present perspective. But rather than being eye to eye, you see yourself from a bird's eye view. You're looking down on the present and focusing in on that. And that's something that creates a lot of self-awareness. Like, what am I currently doing? 
Now in the psychology world, that can lead to a lot of like, holy cow, like I'm too aware of myself or, you know, I focus on, like I start to freak out and have anxiety because I'm like, man, I don't know if I'm breathing. Like you start thinking about these weird things that cause you to focus on the wrong things, but it's all about an evaluation, right? Just being aware. So the presence with the second, and then the third perception is from the future. And you look forward, you look forward to what this will become or what this will lead to. And if you can have an awareness of those three perspectives, you can start to remove toxic emotions and start to include or strategically add direction to what you're doing. And in many ways, the deep down core of what leadership and self-deception is helping us do is creating that self-awareness so that we can create a sense of urgency for control over what we have. And a lot of times what leadership and self-deception teaches us is that we don't have control over the outside factors. In fact, we shouldn't. It's not our responsibility to have control of those outside factors. Although, we can alter and improve or enhance or even influence our surrounding perspectives as well as our environments by the way we behave and by the way we act. And so um, I, I just wanted to add that as context. Uh, it has nothing to do with the conversations we're going to do today, but I thought that's a very intelligent and yet insightful process to observe the leadership and self-deception concept from afar, from behind and from the future. So if you're looking for some really good deep counsel, obviously you're not going to get it from a book study, but we do invite you and encourage you to look inward and to start finding things within yourself. Uh, Ian, Lauren and I, and everyone we bring onto this podcast will definitely have some sort of and testimonial towards personal development. And we love starting off the year with our personal uh, awareness and understanding our, our, our lies and self-deception habits that create maybe the unwanted outcomes around us and in our teams and in our businesses and even in our families and at home. So that's what I wanted to add. Thank you, Ian, for that. And thank you for uh, jumping in during my state of emergency. But um, uh, I'm, I'm good to go now. But let's let's jump into that topic, that first one you were you were suggesting. And if, you, if you'll reiterate it, reiterate. Nice. If you iterate it again, I'll, um, I'll, I'll jump in as well. Okay. Let me uh, just wanted to carry on one thing you said uh, before I do that. Um, and that's about being aware of what you're doing. Uh, so I had a, a political science class years ago, and uh, the professor was saying, most of us think of the government as a problem arises, the leaders sit down, discuss the options, choose the best solution, and create a plan to move forward with that. And that's what most of us think government is. It says, in reality, there's a problem, one person sees it, and he takes out his stamp, and he puts a stamp on the bottom of a piece of paper. And he passes it to the next person who makes a couple notes, puts a stamp on it, and passes it to the next person. And when you get to the final result, nobody's ideas are actually implemented. Everybody just passed it on to something else, to someone else. Um, and as a result, things just went through a bureaucracy and happened rather than any real thought. And I think in our own lives, that happens a lot as well. Um, we face a problem. And we just pick the answer we used before. Um, we find a nice trite little phrase someone told us and pass that on. Um, but we don't stop to examine what's going on and to look at those different perspectives. 
we just kind of close our eyes and fumble through it and assume it's all going to work out and then tell ourselves we're great leaders. Um, so that awareness idea is, um, I love it. You brought up with that. And that's really what it means being in the box and getting out of the box is being aware of more than just your own set of experiences. Um, and kind of goes in, I'm going to jump back to that platinum rule. Um, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. It's too easy to say, well, I would like that. So they must like that as well. And we only see our side. And uh, I'm going to share one more quick story to, to kind of point that out. There was a, an older man who was concerned that his wife was losing her hearing. And he didn't really want to bring it up to her. So when he went to the doctor, he asked the doctor how he should, could, could check on his wife. And the doctor said, well, go in the far corner of the house and call her name at a standard tone of voice. And then keep moving a little bit closer and calling her name until she answers. And then you'll get an idea of how good her hearing is. So he went to the far corner of the house and called her name and there was nothing. And he walked a little bit closer and called their name. And he did that about five times. And his wife finally said, I've answered you five times. What do you want? Um, again, the problem wasn't with her. It was his hearing that was going out. Um, but until you can step out of that box and look at it from really maybe a bird's eye perspective there, you don't know what the issue is going to be. And if you're just trying to solve what you think the issue is, that's not leadership. You need to solve the problem that your team, your employee, your client, that's where the, the problem you need to solve is their issue, not your issue. Um, so I see you nodding your head there. Yeah, brilliant. And, and, and I'll just really quickly piggyback off that too. And that's ultimately like, I, I've read this book probably four or five times now. And I continue to read it. That's the thing is there's still so much to learn about ourselves, about the process and the box, right? And it's it's never a, a, a state of mastery. Like even as we're reading the story and to give some context for those who have never read this book, um, it starts with a gentleman who's called to the, uh, we'll call it the principal's office, but really he's called to the office of his superior executive uh, manager at a corporation to discuss some behaviors that has caused some of his coworkers and also um, some of the people in his department, a particular uh, negative experience. And what, what the um, supervisor manager owner of the business does is they take this gentleman through a series of questions and thoughts that lead to self-awareness, to self-evaluation. And they, <clears throat> They use the term the box as a way of seeing yourself closed within a closed space where you don't see anything else other than what's wrong with other people versus what's it with what's wrong within yourself. Closing yourself in and being self-aware in a tight space gives you more awareness rather than you know peeking through the box and being all judgy and whatnot about what other people are doing saying speaking and behaving um so that's the context of the book now we use the characters you know bud is the uh the gentleman being i believe if i get this wrong i'm not even going to go there i'm not going to go as deep as that uh, but essentially we, we we dive into this but 
what I've gained from this book, having read it now three or four times, four or five, I can't remember, and continue to read it now, is that I, I recognize that there's so much more for me to be observant and give me those perspectives as you were delving deeper into Ian. And I'm grateful for that because if there's any better way to start my year, it's to be more self-aware and to focus on the little things that I can control and also to be satisfied with those results. Because the more that I nitpick on myself, it brings me down. But the more that I focus on what I can control, it actually empowers me to be a better human being, a better leader, and a better friend. And to me, ultimately, that's all it means is I need to be a better person and a better friend. And that's that's why this book is powerful and important to me. So I appreciate you. Um, adding to that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. If, do you care oh, if I in? Jump in, Lauren! <laughs> Go ahead, Lauren. We may have lost your audio. Lauren, uh, check your audio settings and then just jump right back on in. Go ahead, Ian. Okay, yeah. Um, so as you were talking, it kind of got me thinking about um, being aware of ourselves and instead of looking out at everyone else, and I think, Lauren, are you back? I'll turn it back to you. Can you hear me now? Yes, we can. Yes. Oh. And she's gone. <laughs> Go ahead, Ian. <laughs> okay. I'll bring her um, on in just a second. Yeah. As we become aware of ourselves and what that, how we interact with other people, um, you know, what our strengths and weaknesses and what other people need, um, just thought of a, maybe a silly analogy, but, um, you know, if I'm some salt, if you take a teaspoon full of salt, I know, do you like a teaspoon of salt? Is that <laughs> maybe a cookies. Yeah. Um, but if you sprinkle a teaspoon of salt over your French fries, that's going to make a huge difference mm. in those French fries. Um, they're not good on their own. If you've ever had plain French fries. That's like a, a survivor test. I could be on survivor. I've eaten French fries with no salt before. <laughs> um, but when you combine those, you take part of your strength and you add it into what someone else needs um, and understanding how what you're doing affects them, how you can build that up. And no one eats French fries with salt and says, boy, that's good salt with some fries on it. No, they say that's good fries. The salt helped it. Um, and that's kind of that leadership. What can I do that's going to make the people around me shine? What can I do to make people say those are great fries and not notice that I had some salt in it, that I added that part? Um, so rather than think, you know, those fries are lousy, they can't do a thing without me, I have to be there to take care of them and fix them. Um, Instead, we're saying, those are great fries. If I'm able to add this little bit to them, I can lift them way up higher in what right. they can achieve. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, they usually do mic drop when you have a really awesome comment. I'm going to say drop the uh, salt shaker because that was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that's supposed to be bad luck. <laughs> oh, let's bring uh let's bring Lauren back on. Lauren, if you're able to hear us and unmute, um 
can't unmute your guests. Okay, cool. Um, but if you can uh, come on, we'd love to hear what you were going to add to that before we change topics. Go ahead. Awesome. Can you, you hear me now? We can, yes. Yeah, can you you can hear me good? We can hear you now. Yeah. Okay. The irony is I'm like 200 feet from a cell phone tower, and have horrible <laughs> reception. <laughs> what, what were you gonna say earlier? Our, so I love that they talk about uh, when you're in the box, you're just focusing on results right? You're stuck in the box. You just want to see results. You're not caring as about a person as a whole that has feelings, skills, leadership as well. And so you feel like you're, you're the only one who can accomplish what you have to do when you're in the box. And so when you step out of the box, you work as a team and you're willing to accept other people's skills and help as well. And I feel like that's a big part of business as well is because we get caught up in, I can do this. I can be the best, you know, but when we have to realize that we can't do it all, we go farther when we will step out of the box and allow those people to help us with things that aren't our strengths and to include others in our journey. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I'll, I'll add this to the screen just to give everyone a little bit of um, context. Um, you know, behaviors such as like sitting next to an empty seat or observing other passengers or reading the paper. There's several applications of this. When you see yourself and others more or less as we are, you know, as people and they don't bug you. They don't they don't cause any distress in your life. You just see people as people and you move on and you know, you cohabitate, you live in your world. But when you're in that box, to give perspective to what Lauren just added, is you see yourself and others in a systematically distorted way. Others are mere objects. Maybe they're, they're objects in your way. Maybe they're objects that you feel, maybe they're objects that you feel inferior to. It doesn't matter. But in the box is seeing people in a systematic, distorted way. Um, another way to say that in layman's terms is, you know, you don't see people normally as they are. Rather, you see people for something that they're doing and what they're causing. And it creates, you know, some form of uh, disbelief, distrust, disbehavior, uh, some bad behavior. And even if you don't act out, it's in your mind, right? It can, it can cloud your mind. And immediately you begin to become self deceived or what they use in the book is self-betrayal where all you have to worry about is yourself. I mean, mano y mano, right? You want to take care of uno number one. I'm just throwing out things that I think will actually make sense in that context. But in regards to all of this, it's important to recognize yourself, look inward to focus on that. That's all we can control. I mean, sounds cliche guys, but I'll always throw out Michael Jackson references here. And again, the only thing we can change is the man or woman in the mirror. And that's important because, again, it's not important that we can use psychological powers to deceive, manipulate, lie, and cheat other people, right? It's important that those are accessible powers for ourselves, that we can convince, lead, and mentor ourselves through the 
the aiding tools and powers of self-awareness and self-leadership. So, yeah, I like that. And said so in the end, we can only change ourselves. Um, if we try and change someone else thinking that they're the problem, and we've probably all said that before, if they would just do this or stop doing that. Um, you know, one of my favorite sayings is, if everyone would just shut up and do what I say, the world would be such a good place. <laughs> yeah. I'd be a benevolent leader. Um, but the reality is, I'm one who has to change to fit in that. Um, and I love the, the graphic you put up there. If I remember the story right, he was saying that he was on an airplane and there was an empty seat next to him. Must have been a Southwest flight. Um, and he saw the other passengers coming on. So he quickly got out a newspaper and opened it up. So he covered up the seat next to him and people would have to climb over him to get to it, hoping he'd get to keep that empty middle seat. Um, and then he compared that to another story where a lady moved things out of the way so someone could sit there and um, end up having a good flight because of it. But when you see people as objects who are there to annoy you, who are there to stop you from achieving what you need, who are there to interrupt you when you're in the middle of doing something important, um, when you just see them as objects, you're only worried about yourself and you're not leading anyone, you're not being a part of a team, you're just pushing everyone else out of the way and not being able to grow from that. Where when you start to see other people as having their needs and that they're going through struggles and you have an opportunity to help them, to lift them and to grow stronger from them, um, then you're getting out of the box to be able to see, again, I'm repeating myself, but other people as people. Um, and realizing that it's their strengths that are going to help you move forward rather than your own strengths having to do everything yourself. I, I know that we've uh, really like dove deep into this topic that wasn't even on the agenda, but I love that we've kind of evolved this because I, I want to add something that just popped in my brain. And I feel like that's the the value of these conversations too, is we can sort of steer it however we want. And I hate to take the reins, but I'll just, I'll just share one quick thought here. Um, you were mentioning and talking about the golden rule versus the platinum rule. And I'm going to ask you to repeat that again in just a second, because I, I didn't quite remember it word for word, but we all know that the golden rule is do unto others as you would want done unto you. Or uh, in my kindergarten, we used to say, uh, do unto others as you would want to be treated. And I always thought that was funny because as soon as I got to high school, they changed the words and I was like, that's not the golden rule, but it's the same concept, right? And, and anything that we believe, especially here at Champion Circle and our networking association, <clears throat> in mastermind groups, in networking groups, in seminars, conferences, professional, anything, right? It's, it's treat others with respect. And somehow, some way that that phrase, do unto others or treat other people in a certain way, is not normal compared to maybe how we treat people in our daily lives. Maybe we are candid and curt and swift with the with the with the hand of repu uh, of of um, of of what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, uh, when 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 you want to reprimand someone, right? Like maybe we're like that at home, but all of a sudden we have to put on a a different behavior of treating people in a more public scenario or in a place where we meet often in a professional setting. Right. And that's, that's a messed up 
sort of concept, right? But what I'm getting at is the golden rule is all about how we treat others and making that a habit and allowing others to just be others. Um, at Champion Circle, you know, we believe in the words of Zig Ziglar when he said, you know, you will have everything you want if you help and serve people and help them get what they want first. Serve others first, like serve, 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 serve. So forgetting the fact that there's this behavioral expectation, but focusing on the fact that, you know, if I just sort of let go of what I feel and think about what other people are doing and just focus on myself, I can develop the muscle of being a genuine good person and treating other people. And I'm going to perpetuate that, that expectation in that environment that that's what I will get on the return. If I serve other people, I'll get it too. It'll, it, it's coming my way. Uh, you can call it or just, just total, um, you know, respect of others. Right. And, and what, if you can add to the context of that, what is the platinum rule again? Yeah. So the platinum rule is to actually take that a step further. Um, it still has to do with serving other people and looking for opportunities to serve them. But quite often when we do that, we serve someone the way we would want to be served. Um, so an example for me and my wife, um, I've told her this several times. She's never listened to me, but I would love her to send me flowers on my birthday and put those flowers on my desk. My wife has told me she will divorce me if I ever send flowers to her office. <laughs> do not ever do that. Um, now, the golden rule would be if she hadn't told me that, um, for me to send her flowers hmm. if I didn't know anything different. The platinum rule is to know that she doesn't want flowers. And even though it would make me happy if I got them, the platinum rule is for me to say, well, what does she actually want? Well, I know she doesn't want anything. She doesn't want to be called out in front of anyone. So I know the platinum rule is to get her something that is not going to be a public display. So um, I have to get something that's between the two of us at home. I might bring her flowers and give them to her at home. Then she appreciates it. Mm. So the platinum rule, um, it involves that same service, but you have to move again, that perspective outside and say, what does that person want? And in leadership, that's a huge thing because um, some people you may call out in a meeting and say, Hey, I want to show what a great job John did. Um, we all know John's a shy person who doesn't want to be in front of a camera or to speak at all, right? <laughs> Sorry. Right, <laughs> right. Um, totally. <laughs> but, you know, for John, I know to call you out in front of people would be a good thing. You would appreciate that. I have other people I work with who it doesn't matter what good thing they did, they do not want to be called out in a public meeting um, for anything good. And likewise, some people, you can bring up something negative they did in a public meeting and they're okay. They'll learn, they'll grow and they'll move on from it. And other people would be writing the resignation from that. So the same action you take with the intent to help somebody, if you're only thinking if you would like it, it may not go over the right way for them. But if you stop and say, what does that person need? Um, and probably most of us have read the or taken the Myers-Briggs test or read What Color Is Your Parachute or one of those books that talks about, you know, if you're a yellow person, then this is what you need. Um, and that's really where that platinum rule fits in. Understanding the people that you're around and what do they want? 
Um, you know, a, another trite phrase I use with it, we've all heard, don't judge someone until you walk a mile in their shoes. Um, but the fact is their feet are different size than my feet. And if I put on your shoes and walk a mile, I'm going to feel very different than you did walking a mile in your shoes because we're not the same person. Um, so we have to not put ourselves in their shoes, but put them in their shoes and work to understand how they actually feel rather than just thinking we're doing a good job uh, right. because we did something for someone. So to me, that's kind of the, the golden versus platinum rule. I, I love that. Thank you for adding that. I really wanted to dive into that and thank you for really putting a bow on it because it, it helps me honestly, as a leader of communities and as a leader of mastermind groups and as a leader of many audiences, right? I speak on stages all over the world. It, it helps me to see, recognize, feel sort of that, that next step, right? Uh, it, it, it's almost as if like, we almost expect everyone to treat everyone a certain way, but it's those who go above and beyond that live that platinum rule by their, by their, uh, by their heart and their sleeve. That's going to set you apart. It's going to stand apart. And I think whatever you're striving to achieve, <clears throat> that will, that will definitely be something that, that, that allows you to be influential, uh, a, a leader to many, and maybe you're not looking for attention, but at least your countenance, at least your, uh, the perception of, of those towards you will be in a positive light. Um, if you don't mind, Ian, I'd, I'd love to spend like five minutes. Just let's dive into a real quick session about what is, um, sorry, what is self-betrayal? And then how do we get out of the box? Um, add this to the, to the screen just for some context. I, I don't really need to go word for word on all this, but I just wanted to kind of give our audience something to look at here. But like self-betrayal is an act of contrary to what I feel and I should do for another is called the act of self-betrayal. There's a bunch of concept. Oops, there's a bunch of concepts here. Like self-betrayal could be really anything other than it's out of the contrary of what we're called, uh, you know, to do or what we're supposed to be doing. And I think that's an interesting way of seeing it and just a, a different perspective is they're not saying betrayal means you you necessarily like uh, um, you, you, you left a plate of cookies out and somehow you slept, you were sleepwalking and you ate the cookies in your sleep only to wake up in the next morning realizing, where are the cookies? Some, you know, that's not really what we're talking about here. No self-betrayal of eating your own food or losing your own socks in the dryer. Like we're talking about the act of, uh, of what you feel you should do toward, for, uh, for another person. And uh, I, I think that just needs to be defined a little bit better. Yeah. Um, as you're saying that, I had an act of self-betrayal a couple of days ago. Oh, um, I was in Walmart and I was walking down the soda aisle um, and there was an older woman who was in one of the motorized carts and she had a little dog and she was leaning over trying to get one of the 12 packs of soda from the bottom shelf. And as I was walking past her, I kind of thought she had gotten it before I stopped to help her. So I thought, yeah, she's got it, that's fine. And I walked a couple more steps and I heard somebody who was walking behind me say, oh, can I help you get that? And I turned around and I saw that she had in fact not been able to get a hold of that soda and somebody behind me stopped to pick it up. 
Now, it's a really simple thing. Um, and, you know, I didn't really lose a lot of sleep over it. But the concept, I know I should help someone. It would have taken me five seconds to stop and pick it up for her. Um, but in my mind, I said, oh, she's fine without my help. Then I said, oh, somebody else is walking behind me, so they're probably closer at this point anyways. And I made these excuses in my mind about why it was okay that I didn't stop to help her. Um, and that self-betrayal really is, you know you should do something, but there's always an excuse for why you don't have to. A reason that you can justify it and justification is probably one of my biggest struggles because I can justify just about anything if I work hard enough at it. Can we all, right? Put more effort into justifying than the effort to actually do whatever it is. Um, so that self, <clears throat> sorry, that self-betrayal is if you stop and say, what should I do? And just do it instead of making an excuse, passing the blame or the responsibility onto someone else. Um, but it's doing what you know you should do and continue on with your life. I, I love that because again, I'll, I'll use this reference as a, as a, I'll call it retired. I used to say ex-athlete and that means like I've got a gut now, but no, as a retired athlete, what I'm, what I, what I respect and love about that is you've got to develop the muscle of behaviors and only focus on positive behaviors, leadership based behaviors. Now, the end of that list is uh, of self-betrayal examples is when I betray myself, I begin to see the world in way that justifies my self-betrayal, okay? When I see the world in a self-justifying way, my view of reality becomes distorted. And then, so when I betrayed myself, I enter the box. And I want to use this as a transition to kind of talk about how do we get out of the box? Like, what are some tangible steps, ideas, thoughts? things that we can do to get out of the box. Yeah. Um, if I can carry through that thought just a little bit. Um, For sure. The analogy that they use uh, initially to talk about that was uh, the main character was sleeping in bed and there was a baby crying. And he was saying that, you know, well, I've been working hard all day. I think it's my wife's turn to get the baby this time. And then as he laid there, if his wife is not getting up, because she's probably thinking the same thing. I worked hard all day. It's his turn. Each of them are thinking, boy, my spouse is a bad parent because they're not taking care of this. It's their fault for not getting up. If I lay here long enough, they'll get up and they'll have a chance to become better. So I'm helping them by not doing anything and forcing them to take some responsibility, forcing them to do something. Um, and you start, like I said, they start blaming the other person for you not doing something. Um, and it's really easy to blame somebody else for you not doing something. You know, I shouldn't have gotten arrested for running that stoplight. It's that cop's fault that he was there. If he was out catching bank robbers, I wouldn't have gotten a ticket. Um, how often do we blame the policeman for getting a ticket for <laughs> doing something? Um, so if instead we turn that and say, what should I be doing? Um, in the analogy with the, the baby that's crying, um, and I'll, I'll toot my own horn for a second here. Um, when my daughter was born, I thought about it and said, you know what? I really had the easy job in this whole birthing process. 
my part wasn't that bad. My wife had to really do a lot of work for this baby to be born. So it's my job now to let my wife sleep at night. It's my job to get up. And didn't matter that I was working, I would be tired. I was able to look at that and say, I love my wife and my child. For my wife to be the best mother she can be, she's got to sleep at some point. So let me do my part. Um, and I can get up at nighttime and I can walk my daughter and I can burp her and change her and help her get to sleep and all those things. Because I know I'm going to go to work later on. My wife's going to have to deal with her then. Or my wife gets to take care of her then, not has to deal with her. <laughs> um, again, those wordings make a difference in how you assign the blame and what you see the problem as. So, um, if you stop blaming the other person for what you're not doing and you start doing it and seeing that your actions are going to lift people up around you, um, that gets you away from the self-betrayal because you're doing what you feel you should do. Um, you know, stress is caused when you're not, you're not doing actions that are conducive with your core values. Right. Um, that's how stress is created. So you don't want to change your core values because those are your core values. You need to change your actions to align with that. Um, so rather than make excuses, man up, <laughs> um, do what you need to do what you know is right, which is always so much easier than we think it's going to be. Um, and then instead of blaming the person next to us, we compliment that person or compliment as well as compliment, if I can stress those two. Um, and then we're both lifted up. And that helps the other person who's doing the same thing and blaming us because I know I'm usually at fault for these things. And I deserve a lot of that blame. <laughs> but as I step out of that box, I stop that self betrayal, I act the way my core values and my conscience tells me I should, then the people I'm acting interacting with are going to reciprocate that naturally. And they're going to see that they want to stop blaming me and be lifted up as well. Um, so it really takes one person starting it. Um, and really just, again, it just takes one person starting and I'm going to stop with that statement. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to add Lauren back to the conversation here um, because I think this is, I think this is really valuable. And just a reminder to uh, the three of us, um, I've got about a hard stop in five minutes, so we'll, we'll we'll sort of wrap this up. But I just wanted to include Lauren on this because, again, it it is so much about you know what what it is all about is creating the solutions for yourself first, and then treating other with kindness and respect. And I love what you said there. Um, I, I I thought this was an interesting slide. It just says what doesn't work in the box is trying to change other people doing my best to cope with others, leaving. I've had that happen so many times in family conversations, you know, who gets up and leaves the dinner table, you know, uh, communicating, like over communicating um, anything in the box just doesn't work. Implementing new skills and techniques and then changing my behavior. These are the kinds of things that just won't work until you get yourself in a position to leave that, that status and state of mind. And, yeah, you know, it's, oh, go sorry. ahead. Absolutely. Um, it's going to jump in because I read this now and I feel like I need to qualify something I just said. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> it takes just doing something and just starting it. 
but um, well, that's true. Just changing a behavior um, doesn't do it. You have to change your understanding of it and your reasoning of it. Um, we just hit uh, New Year's now, and most of us have already failed our New Year's resolutions. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, yeah. And it's not because we didn't change our behavior. Um, and this goes to a core feeling of desire that we have from our, our uh, Think and Grow Rich studies. Um, if we don't have a desire to do it, changing a behavior doesn't change ourselves. Um, we have to understand why we want to do it. And not just, you know, if I just picked up that soda for that lady, that's not changing something. But if I stop and say, I can help that woman to have a happier day in that small way, changing my thinking, my understanding, um, changing what my goals are, instead of to get through the store sooner, to help someone else a little bit along the way, then as I change my behaviors, those are aligning with what I really want to do. Um, if you change a behavior that doesn't align with your values and your, your goals, you're going to fail just like we all failed going to the gym this morning. Or at least I did. <laughs> well, I, I got there. Hey. <laughs> yeah, I that was an interesting list, John, because ideally those all look like great things, right? Like, but if you're doing it from inside the box, and I've had an experience of that where you know it was a little miscommunication and a little frustration with, with somebody I was working with, and clearly I knew my actions, my physical actions and words were not bad, right? But I was trying to over-communicate to correct the problem. I was like, just come on, let's figure this out. Let's just get over it. Like, and that person needed space. And to me, I was like, well, that's pretty childish, you know, like just come on and talk about it and let's move on. And they just wouldn't. And then it took me a while to realize and some wise words from friends and <laughs> like, I needed to just take a step back because I was in the box too, when I was just like hounding them. I mean, I, I don't know if I was really hounding, but like insistent that they stop what they're doing and communicate this miscommunication with me to just be able to put it in the past. But I was stuck in the box because I was hung up on it. I couldn't operate without fixing this problem and so it's just interesting list like because they look like all good things but if you're not in the correct mindset and out of the box then you're just as guilty right like right. you're behaving the same <laughs> yeah absolutely in addition to all that too lauren i i love that because <clears throat> uh, just just sort of wrapping up this conversation and and, and we'll give a little bit more context to what's next for our listeners and all that. But I, I agree, you know, the, the positive qualities of anything can have its own perception. And at the beginning of this call, we talked about seeing things from several viewpoints. And it's important to look at positive qualities and in which contexts, in which scenarios, those behaviors should be used. Every skill can be exercised like a muscle. So that's why we do need to get up. Ian, you and I can be accountability partners to get to the gym every day, but we should also be accountable to the skills that we're, that we're developing. 
And I agree with you wholeheartedly. It is an interesting list. Some of the things I would like to get into topic and discussion, we'll do this at a later time, is how to live this material, right? There's so much that we can gain from just talking a little bit more about this. And what's so healthy about these discussions is it's, and I love this example because both you, myself, and Lauren, I observed this, that we start to tell stories of ourselves when we were in the box and when we were caught in that act of self-betrayal. And that's important because it's healthy to discuss them. Like Lauren said, that list is interesting. When we're in the box, it's not a really great opportunity to communicate, uh, over-communicate, right? But but when you can see yourself from that perspective and laugh about it and say, okay, I know where I need to be, communicating about it is not only a healthy habit, but it's also a great way to, to discuss and learn these concepts more. Because again, like we said at the beginning of this call, it's not necessarily that you'll become a master once you read the book once of what is the box and you'll always be outside the box. That's not the case. We are all in the box at some point, whether it's when you first wake up or when you go to bed or in some point of your day, there are places that we continually put ourselves into that box. So it's just vital and under, it's just vital to be aware, to have that understanding and to, um, to, to, to gather that awareness and so we can create habits for self-control. Um, any last words, Ian, then we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll sign off and let our listeners know what we're going to do next week. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. Um, yeah, I love the conversation and just want to point out, Lauren said a word that kind of struck me in this and it was realize. Um, I think first we have to realize where we are and what we're doing. Um, and then those good actions that were on the don't do list, um, if those are done in the right way, once we realize what we're doing and what's happening, then we can take some of those steps. But first we have to realize where we are and stop that self-deception and achieve that self-awareness instead. So thank you, Lauren. You're welcome. I love that. It's very true. Well, great discussion today, guys. Really appreciate you both for being here. And uh, just to give you guys all a little bit of context, next week, we're going to continue this conversation, but dive a little bit deeper, talk about maybe some other areas, give some more examples, tell some more stories, and listen to more of uh, Ian's dad jokes. I mean, just his jokes. <laughs> And, and, and we're here for it and we're here about it. And so if you want to join us, if you'd like to be featured and want to join in our conversations, you can send us an email to team at mychampioncircle.com where we can evaluate and interview you and also bring you into the conversations. We'll be bringing on guests, but the three core individuals that we want to continue these conversations with are yours truly, myself, Ian Sturmer, and Lauren, the executive team here at Champion Circle. And we will also bring experts in. We'll be bringing on other people who would like to contribute and members of our Champion Circle circles. So with that being said, we thank you for being here today. We hope you enjoy the conversations and start to take a look at yourself in a different way. Open up the lens of discovery and start to see yourself from other perspectives. And with that being said, we also ask you to, uh, you know, if you want to follow along, read with us. We're just in the first section. We'll, 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 we'll wrap this discussion up in about a couple of weeks here. So two more, two more live sessions of this topic. But at the same time, too, is go grab a copy of the book, Self Leadership and Self-Deception. Learn for yourself. Dive in deep and contribute our conversations. We'll also be going live at times. So please uh, contribute in the chat section. That'll provide lively conversation and also some really great context. 
guys, with that being said, thanks for joining us today. This has been an awesome discussion and session, and uh, we'll see everyone next week. Thank you. See everybody.